Well, good morning. It's a very special day as we ordain David a deacon. Deacon comes from the, the Greek word for servant, diakonos. The scriptures use that word to describe Jesus' followers, those who serve God faithfully and sacrificially. But first and foremost, the scriptures use the word servant for Jesus himself. Jesus described his role, his mission, very simply. He said, I am among you as one who serves. In Jesus' culture and in ours, important people like to think of themselves as powerful, as admired, as significant. They want to make their way to the top. But Jesus turns those values upside down. He said that the one in charge should be like one who serves. He asked, who is greater? The VIP sitting at the head table at the banquet or the waiter clearing away the dishes? Well, the one sitting at the head table, of course, but Jesus explained that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. Jesus is God come among us as one of us. He's the king of the universe who gave up his exalted position to come to us in humility. He didn't come to dominate, to overpower, to control. He said, I am among you as one who serves. Jesus' role as a servant is seen most of all in his offering of his own life for us on the cross. The Bible describes him as the suffering servant, the one who would lay down his life for us, the one who was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Jesus came to take the punishment we deserve for our sin, for every wrong thing we've ever done or said or even thought. Philip Yancey has pointed out that in the movie The Last Emperor, the young child anointed as the last emperor of China lives a life of luxury with a thousand servants at his command. His brother asks him, what happens when you do wrong? The boy emperor replies, when I do wrong, someone else is punished. And to demonstrate it, he breaks a jar and one of his servants is beaten. But Jesus, of course, reverses that pattern and shows his love for us. When the servants, we, the servants, sinned, Jesus, the servant king, was punished instead. He paid the price through his death on the cross, and now he freely offers us forgiveness as we turn to him. When we say yes to Jesus, when we receive his grace, his undeserved mercy, we're given that new life to live for him, a new life to offer in service of God and others. And that life of service is modeled for us in the ministry of a deacon. It's not that deacons serve so the rest of us don't have to. It's instead that a deacon is an icon, an image of Christ's servanthood lived out in the church and in the world. Jesus told his disciples in our gospel reading, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like those who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants 
whom the master finds awake when he comes. Jesus shows us what true servants are like. True servants don't worry about status and honors. Jesus is saying, just focus on serving as God has called you, knowing that recognition will come when Jesus returns and all things are revealed and accounts are settled and the faithful ones are rewarded. In fact, Jesus himself is the rewarder of the faithful servant. Speaking of himself, Jesus said that when the master comes back, truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Servants are those who are ready for the master's return, who are serving rightly, serving as the master has appointed them to serve, and perhaps most of all, serving with the right attitude, serving with a servant's heart. Question, how do you know if you have a servant's heart? Answer, do an internal check as to how you react when someone treats you like a servant. How do I respond when I'm taken for granted or overlooked? How do I, um, how do I feel when I feel I'm shown less honor, perhaps, than I think is right? Do I get resentful or frustrated or angry? Was I willing to serve as long as people saw it and admired my humility? Or do I serve out of love, out of love for others and love for God? True servants don't serve begrudgingly, doing only what they must. True servants go above and beyond, serving willingly for our master. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. The message version of that verse is rendered, if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. True servants serve freely and willingly. And true servants serve for God's glory, not their own. Years ago, the church I served in Dale City encouraged families to do an outreach project together. One family took that call very much to heart. The mother encouraged her young children, uh, Michael, then age six, and his four-year-old sister, Heidi, uh, to pray and ask God what outreach project they should do as a family. Then she left them to pray and listen to God. Sometime later, she asked them what they had heard. Four-year-old Heidi said that she thought they should go to the grandparents' store, by which she meant the nursing home. <laughs> Six-year-old Michael reported that he thought God wanted them to wash cars for people in wheelchairs. So off they went to find someone in a wheelchair whose car they could wash. Sure enough, they found a woman in the neighborhood who said, okay, and so they washed her car. The mom said as they were finishing that she saw the woman get out her purse, obviously to pull out some money to pay them. But before she could get over to tell her quietly not to do that, little Michael said to her, oh, we don't want money. We're just doing this to make God look good. Well, that became our youth group's phrase for a long time. Instead of doing something for God's glory, they said, we're doing this to make God look good. 
Well, true servants always want to make God look good. True servants don't compare themselves to others. We don't compete against other servants in the kingdom. Among us, there is no place for jealousy or whether it's jealousy of other people's gifts or their calling or their pay or their success. No whining, no pity parties. Paul wrote in Romans 14, who are you to judge someone else's servant? When Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to Peter at the Sea of Galilee, we read in John chapter 21 that Jesus spoke to Peter about his calling and what he would suffer for Jesus. He said to Peter, very truly I tell you when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old you will stretch out your hands. Someone will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. But instead of focusing on Jesus and his call, Peter wanted to compare himself to the apostle John. The passage goes on. Then Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. See, true servants don't compare themselves to others. They don't envy, they don't boast, they trust. True servants don't serve for accolades, nor for do true servants just grind their teeth and suffer in silence when the accolades don't come. The more we put our trust in Jesus for our security, the more we'll be able to be indifferent to the expectations of others that don't line up with the expectations of Jesus. The more we put our trust in Jesus, the less we'll crave people's approval and recognition. Someone famously said, all you need to know about prizes is that Mozart never won one. True servants serve for the Lord and his approval. Paul said, it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, it's the one whom the Lord commends. And true servants don't serve to make themselves feel valuable. True servants know their identity is in Christ. They don't brag about what they do or that they have this collar around their neck. They don't claim anything for themselves because of their ministry. If anyone had the right to brag about his credentials and his ministry, it was James, the half-brother of Jesus. James grew up with Jesus as his brother, and then he went on to be the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Yet when he wrote his letter that we have in the New Testament, he didn't claim any special status. He introduced himself simply as James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. True servants know that our value lies in not what we do, but in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And the closer we get to Jesus, the less we will claim anything for ourselves. If we serve for Christ and for his glory, we will find a joy that the world cannot understand. A journalist was visiting a medical clinic in a remote village in Africa. He was interviewing a woman who had left a lucrative medical career to serve as a missionary among the poorest of the poor. As they were talking, a new patient was brought in. 
a man with a horribly gangrenous leg wound. Without a word, the woman knelt and began to clean the wound. The journalist, revolted at the sight and the smell, muttered, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. Without looking up, the servant of God said, neither would I. True servants serve not for themselves, but to make God look good. True servants serve with thanksgiving, thankful for the privilege of serving our Lord and Savior. True servants serve without comparing themselves to others. True servants serve without resentment for what they may be called to go through. True servants serve with joy, delighting in the knowledge and the love of Jesus Christ who came not to be served, but to serve. David, would you please stand? I have a passage of scripture for you in your ministry as a deacon. It's John chapter 12, beginning at verse 25. Whoever loves his life will lose it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The Lord is calling you to a ministry of servanthood. Of course, that is true of all deacons and indeed of all of us. But the Lord has put a particular call on your life to witness to his sacrificial love to those who are often overlooked. He has given you a servant's heart for the broken and wounded, for the poor and for the lost. David, always remember that who you are in Jesus is the most important element of your ministry. Your relationship with him, nurtured in the intimacy of prayer and worship and the reading of scripture, your relationship with him is the foundation of all that you will do for him. And remember Stephen. When Stephen was ordained a deacon, he went on not only to serve at table and care for the poor, but also to proclaim the gospel. In fact, the longest declaration of the gospel in the entire book of Acts was given by Stephen. There is no conflict between a call to the servant ministry of a deacon and the call to share the good news of salvation. In fact, the greatest thing we can do to serve another person is to tell that one about Jesus. David, the Lord has called you and you have trusted him. You've humbly responded to his call. The road uh, to your ordination has been a long one. It's been a journey that has required sacrifice and perseverance. Your ordained ministry will doubtless be costly as well. But he who has called you is faithful and he will enable you to bring forth much fruit for his kingdom. David, we love you, we support you, and we pray God's blessings on you and your family and your ministry this day and always. Amen.